Hey, I'm in Japan. I'm Frank Ling. And from Chicago, Illinois, I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Vanessa Woods will join us to discuss but elbow handshake. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. show. Well, bonobos are one of our closest living relatives, yet these female-dominated, peace-loving apes are highly endangered. What can we learn from these primate cousins of ours, and what can be done to save these creatures? Join us today to discuss this issue is Ms. Vanessa Woods. Ms. Woods is a writer, researcher, and journalist, currently a research scientist at Duke University. She has authored numerous scientific and popular works on this subject. Her latest release, Bonobo Handshake, a memoir of love and adventure in the Congo, explores this issue for a general audience. Uh, Ms. Woods, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grox Science Oh, thank you for having bonobos on your show. (laughs) It's really our pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) You've written sort of a memoir of your adventures in the Congo. Why did you decide to write the book? We just did a study at Duke, and it turns out that only 25% of people even know that bonobos are a great ape, which I'm taking to mean that they don't even know really what a bonobo is. It's just so surprising that for our closest living relative, there's really so little that we know about them. And the last popular book on bonobos was 13 years ago, so I thought it was about time for another one. <laughs> well, it seems like a, a good time for that. Uh, what, what led you out there? Well, my, I, I met this guy, um, and he's really <laughs> super charming, we fell in love, and then he's like, well, I'd been working with chimpanzees before, and he was, well, I'm going to go study bonobos in Congo, do you want to come? Well, you know, it sounds like a little adventure and excitement, but it was just, it was so much more than I bargained for, really, and um, if he asked me to do anything like that again, I'd probably um, say no. <laughs> so you just picked up and left and uh, went, went to go study these bonobos? Just picked up and left. But, I mean, bonobos are just the most extraordinary animals, and I wouldn't have swapped it for anything. It's an amazing experience. They're quite fantastic. And you're right, it is going to be a huge year for bonobos this year. The bonobo genome is coming out in a few months, so that's really exciting. And then Gruen is writing the first fiction about bonobos called Ape House. So it's going to be a big bonobo year. People are going to be hearing a lot about them. I'm really looking forward to it. (laughs) So what did you learn about bonobos while you are out there? I think the most important thing that we learn about bonobos is they are so cooperative. So one of the things we look at as the, that we're interested in is human cooperation and what is it that makes us so cooperative as a species. I mean, we can do these amazing things. Apparently, we're, like, designing life with computers now. Did you see that thing with Craig Venter? We can do, like, all this amazing stuff, but at the same time, we have these constraints on our cooperation. And so we were just trying to figure out what is cooperation like in our closest living relatives and how does that apply to humans and we found out that chimpanzees are really extraordinary cooperators they're incredibly cognitive in the way that they do it so they understand much more about cooperation than we thought they they know that they need other individuals to cooperate they're ready to punish individuals who are cheating so you know that was really exciting but something about chimpanzee cooperation is they're incredibly constrained by their emotions so if they don't like someone they can't 
cooperate with them. And in bonobos, it's exactly the opposite. Bonobos, they'll just cooperate with anyone and they're extremely tolerant. And I think this is something extremely important for humans, especially when you look at a, a country like Congo or even you know, House of Representatives trying to get this sort of bipartisanship going. Well, why is it that sometimes we can manage to do great and then sometimes we just completely fall apart? So a, a lot of people have drawn the distinction of chimp as, as being a more warlike ape and the bonobos being the peace-loving apes. Would you say that's an accurate uh, characterization? I think that Yoda said there's the light side and there's the dark side <laughs> and chimpanzees, they definitely have both, which is why for the last 40 years they've been this model for human cognition because, you know, they do, they have these wide range of emotions. So they're capable of love. If you believe the latest news reports, they mourn their dead. So they're capable of empathy. But then they also have this side to them that's extremely murderous and violent. So gangs of chimpanzees, if you like, will go into enemy territories and take an enemy male and just torture him to death over a long period of time and they also have these unattractive behaviors like they beat their females and they kill infants and some of these things they really share with humans so they're really the whole spectrum so what a fascinating animal to compare ourselves with it's kind of like looking in a mirror but bonobos i think they're even more important than chimpanzees in telling us about who we are because they don't have the violence and so when you're looking at what is the most intelligent ape, then I always say bonobos because despite all our things, like all this stuff that we have and this stuff that we can do, we still have not managed to live without violence. And bonobos do that beautifully. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like to use the chimpanzee as that model that gives them a natural explanation for why human society can be so warlike. Would you argue then that the focus then on bonobos? Well, bonobos just have a really important lesson to teach us in that, you know, they found a mechanism to resolve tension. Now, for bonobos, it's sex. Not for a minute suggesting that that's going to be our mechanism, but I think, you know, as a species, we really need to look at bonobos and find out what it is about their psychology, about their biochemistry, and figure out exactly what it is they're doing, and then use gigantic craniums to then come up with whatever it's going to be for humans, that we can finally attain that wonderful utopia of world peace. (laughs) What is a bonobo handshake? (laughs) <laughs> it's really it's really funny because the publisher has got me on the front cover kind of shaking hands with a bonobo, but that's actually not what a bonobo handshake is. When bonobos meet each other for the first time, when there's a particularly tense situation, any reason at all really, they'll have sex. And people tend to get stuck on this, but for bonobos, it's really not erotic at all. It's just something that's as common and friendly as a handshake. So that's why the book is called Bonobo Handshake. <laughs> Make love, not war, huh? <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's the 60s. The 60s just that kept going. <laughs> you spent time at the uh, Lola Yabonobo Sanctuary. The Loloya Bonobo, it's actually one of the last forests in Kinshasa, which is the capital of Congo. And it used to be the weekend retreat for this notorious dictator called Mobutu Sese Seko. I mean, you know, he was just extraordinary. He spent something like $4 billion before he died, put the country in huge debt and had these lavish expenses. Like, you know, he would fly his jumbo jet to Disneyland and he would port truckloads of champagne and caviar from Paris and so this was this sanctuary used to be the place where he would go on the weekends to get out of the dust of the city and so now it is home to over 60 bonobo orphans and they live there quite happily in this gigantic forest and after quite traumatic beginnings where their parents were killed for the bushmeat trade so this is somewhere that they can go where they'll be safe basically. Mm. The person who set this up was Claudine Andre? 
Yes, Claudine André. She's an absolutely amazing woman. She's Belgian, but she's lived in the Congo for 60 years now. And um, so she started the sanctuary in 1994 with one bonobo. And through all the horrible wars of Congo, everybody, every expat in their right mind left. But she stayed and she stayed. She would go out into the forest with the bonobos, occasionally dodging bullets just to make sure they had somewhere safe to find a paradise for them. And she's really done that amazingly. And last year, she she, for the first time ever, released bonobos back into the wild. So it's a nice cycle, a nice story. Hmm. So bonobos, are they uh, fairly endangered? And besides the sanctuary, are there other efforts going to help conservation? Bonobos are extremely endangered. They're actually the most endangered ape. Like, they're in the most trouble of anyone, which is why it's worrying that nobody's heard of them. They're in a lot of trouble. Congo, if you had to pick one country to live in, to be endemic to, it really would not be the Democratic Republic of Congo. (laughs) I mean, they've had a war that sort of lasted for 10 years, and, you know, I think the death toll now is up to 5.4 million, you know, which is approaching Holocaust proportions. So it's pretty bad. Um, There are people... People working to protect the Congo. So Claudine Andre set up Friends of Bonobos, which is this um, not-for-profit that is aiming at educating the Congolese and then running the sanctuary. And I know the John and Teresa Hart are also working at doing some protection, environmental protection and bonobo census. Um, African Wildlife Fund. I think the World Conservation Society is also in Congo. So people are working hard, but it's an, it's an uphill fight. Congo is very, very complicated. What's happening there now? Are more international efforts coming in to the Congo? Well, ostensibly there's peace. So the last democratic elections, well, actually the first democratic elections in 40 years were in 2006. And so now they are coming up to the other elections. I think they've been deferred. That was supposed to happen this year. Everything should go well. It's just that Congo is a huge country. It's like, you know, three times the size of France. And there is sort of a skirmish along the border with Uganda and Rwanda still has rebels swarming all over the place. And, and that's really where the trouble is. So has this really hampered efforts for conservation of the bonobos? Well, I think the biggest thing that's hampering efforts is the Western world's need for Congo's resources. So Congo has 70% of the world's coltan, which is a mineral that's used in the chips of uh, the phones we're talking on, laptop computers, basically all our electronics. And so the need for this mineral was basically fueling and funding the war while it was going on. And it's sort of in the interest of the Western countries to keep instability in Congo, just to, to keep the resources coming out. I think that on the international stage, there's much more awareness about that now, and I think there's a lot of aid going into Congo, but it's just, it, it's just you know, as I said, it's just really complicated. Mm. What's the level of interest now uh, as far as researchers are going in terms of uh, looking at the bonobos? Well, it's going to be huge. I think once the bonobo genome comes out this summer, it's going to be fantastic because we have the human genome and then we have the chimpanzee genome. So the idea is that you compare those two to find out, you know, what it is that makes us human, like, you know, the answer to the big question. But they differ by, even though we share 98.7% of our DNA, we still differ by hundreds of thousands of nucleotides. But once you have the chimpanzee genome and the bonobo genome, well, they only differ by, you know, several thousands of nucleotides. So it goes from trying to find a needle in a huge haystack to finding a needle in a smaller haystack. And once you find the difference between chimpanzees and bonobos, then you can try and figure out whether the same thing exists 
exist in humans, and that's going to be really, really fun. In terms of our research, we've just done basically the only or what the major psychological studies on bonobos. So on bonobos, their um, their cognition and how their cognition evolves as they grow up. Like over the last five years, we've just found out really, really exciting things about them, and I think it's only, it's only going to get bigger. What is it that you've discovered about the bonobos? Well, for one thing, they're like the Peter Pan ape. So they are very juvenileized you know, in comparison to chimpanzees. So as they develop, they're extremely tolerant of one another, and then they share food really easily. And uh, one of the students of our research group, Tori Wober, is looking at their actual biochemistry. And what you find is, what she's found is that there's a pile of food in front of chimpanzees, their testosterone goes up. So it basically it looks like chimpanzees are getting ready to fight. If you put a fat pile of food in front of bonobos, their cortisol goes up, a hormone related to stress. So chimpanzees, they get ready to kind of like duke it out. But bonobos, just at the thought of there being any conflict, they get incredibly stressed. And so this could be one of the keys to why it is that bonobos are so peaceful. So would it suggest then that we could use that biochemically then to alter our own behavior? Well, we biochemically already alter our own behavior. I mean, there's plenty of substances, both legal and illegal, that will um, calm you down and make you feel better about the world. <laughs> so it's a question of, how do we go? Do we move towards, you know, this kind of Adolf Huxley model of a brave new world where, you know, the government was handing out SOMA to everyone to keep them sort of placid and in line or is it something that we try and use intelligence for and really figure out, like, the potential stress points and the potential situations where humans do seem to become very intolerant and stress and then trying to manage those in a more intellectual way. Hmm. Do you think this also makes them, in a sense, more empathetic? It's hard to talk about empathy. I mean, because empathy just basically depends on whether you actually feel what someone else is feeling. So I think that chimpanzees do have a potential for empathy, along with um, bonobos and humans. It's a big question. It's not my area. I, I think that my dog feels empathy, but <laughs> how do I really know? It's a tough question. What would you like people to really know about bonobos? I think the most important thing about bonobos is that when I wake up in the morning, I know that someone might kill me. I mean, you know, just the other day, someone just got shot not far from where I work. And, you know, I don't live in a particularly violent town, but about 20 people are murdered here every year. And this is in America where murder is illegal. You know, I think according to the Uppsala scale, there's something like seven conflicts going on in the world right now that are killing more than 1,000 people a year. So this is a big part of who we are. When a chimpanzee wakes up in the morning, they also know that someone might kill him. And as a matter of fact, if you're a male chimpanzee, you're more likely to be killed by another male chimpanzee than by anything else, including humans. So, you know, when a bonobo wakes up in the morning, they don't have that. And I think that as someone who just really loves my family and the people that I love, I would really do anything to wake up in the morning like a bonobo. I would give up everything. I would give up my phone, my laptop, my car, everything, if I could just wake up feeling safe from my own species. Do you think there's some societies that are more bonobo-like than others? Yes. Anybody who has a female president. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone that seems to be governed by women tends to be much more peaceful, I would guess. The New Zealanders, for one. <laughs> All right. A little while ago, we had on the program uh, Franz Duval, who, of course, is a major popularizer of bonobos, and he argued uh, that the bonobos would teach us to enter in a new age of empathy. Do you think that this is really their message? Well, Franz just really started all this, all the research on bonobos, so if he says it, I agree with him. <laughs> Even though he's not a woman. <laughs> Even though he's not a woman. But I think that he's very bonobo-like, and um, yeah.
<laughs> All right. I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it looks like we're really slightly out of time. I'm just curious if you have a final take-home message regarding uh, Bonobos. Just that they're awesome, and I think the single most thing that people can do from the sides by my book is just tell other people about them. Your new book, which is called Bonobo Handshake, a memoir of love and adventure in the Congo. Ms. Woods, thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thanks so much for having me on the show. And you were just listening to Vanessa Woods discussing Bonobo Handshake. This is the Grok's Science Show. Coming up in just a few minutes, it's the Grokatron 5000, so stay tuned. Here we come. Walking down the street, we get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys, and people say we monkey around. But we're too busy singing to put anybody down. We go where we want to, do what we like to do. We don't have time to get restless. There's always something new Hey, hey, we're the monkeys And people say we monkey around But we're too busy singing To put anybody down We're just trying to be friendly Come and watch us sing and play We're the young generation And we've got something to say Just look over your shoulder Guess who'll be standing there Hey, hey, we're the monkeys And people say we monkey around But we're too busy singing To put anybody All right, it's time to play the game, the Grokatron 5000. It is our supercomputer formerly known as Deep Blue. Today, the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic bonobo or chimpanzee. So for the uh, following five individuals, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know if you think they're more um, bonobo-like or more chimpanzee-like, and uh, okay. the reason why. All right, all right, here we go. First number one, uh, bonobo or chimpanzee, it's the pop star Lady Gaga. Oh my God, she's such a bonobo. <laughs> Why is that? Have you seen her outfits? Those <laughs> outfits. I'm sure she has a lot of sex. Definitely bonobo. Definitely female dominated. I would not mess with her. <laughs> All right. Uh, number two, it's the uh, talk show host, Jerry Springer. I think he's a chimpanzee because he really loves a lot of violence and a lot of aggression. And, you know, the more fifty cuffs on Jerry Springer, I think the happier he is. So definitely a chimpanzee. Uh, number three, it's the uh, famed uh, biologist Richard Dawkins. He's a tough one. He's a very tough one. I think I would go with chimpanzee just because of he seems to really enjoy causing a lot of drama with all this atheism stuff. I, I think he I, I think he also likes to have a few fifty cuffs. So I'm going with chimpanzee for Richard. Okay. Uh, number four, Donald Trump. 
Oh my God, he's such a chimpanzee. You cannot get more chimpanzee than Donald Trump. Yeah, I, will, I would not be surprised if he runs around chest beating in the top level of his plaza often. <laughs> Uh, certainly would not surprise me. Uh, but uh, the, the last person, number five, uh, bonobo or chimpanzee, it's a talk show host Oprah Winfrey. <gasps> Oprah is such a bonobo. She's definitely a bonobo. She believes in female power. She is constantly fighting against violence towards women. So Oprah is definitely a bonobo. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, uh, uh, Ms. Woods, I want to thank you very much for sticking around playing our game, the Grokotron 5000, and again, of course, talking about your book, Bonobo Handshake, A Memoir of Love and Adventure in the Congo. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much. Bye. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.